four, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the six o'clock pairing. On the tee, from River West, please welcome Gabe Neitzel. Also on the tee, from the third ward, this is Stephen Watson. It's Monday evening, and you're on the tee, presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Now to take you around the course, live from the Gruber Law Office's One Call That's All studios at Radio City, alongside Stephen Watson, here's Gabe Neitzel. I hate this time of year because it feels like, it happened this morning on the show, like Jen is declaring, oh hey, happy August 1st everybody, and like almost making a declarative statement that the summer's done. And I understand the PJ Tour schedule's ending here soon, Stephen. There's only four events left. We have the Wyndham this week and then the three playoff events. But there's still so much good golf to be left, to be played. I think the best golf. Oh, fall golf, man. We were just talking about Ooh. Abbey Springs going down and see the colors down in Lake Geneva play Abbey Springs this fall. That'd be fantastic. But there's just so much good golf to be played that I want to have the energy through this show. And I know we're going to talk about some live golf stuff because, well... It's a golf show, and we have to talk about Live Golf because they're constantly in the news cycle. But we had some interesting things happen over the course of this weekend that I'm, I feel we needed to start talking about in our own personal lives. Yeah, I'm shook still, but just, you, you go first. Just needed it to get off our chest. And, and mine, yeah, yours is a little more devastating. We had a club major um, for Brown Deer Men's Club. It was just a, a, a single-person Stableford event, uh, and I was playing with uh, one of the guys I've partnered with in, in – some of our two-man events out at Brown Deer had actually just played a ton of golf with this guy. His name's Will. He's the president of our of our club, and I just played a ton of golf. Went up to Michigan with him. Played up uh, in in Sweetgrass and Timberstone Sage Run up there. Just played the Irish course with him on Thursday, and we got paired together, so we're playing on Sunday, early tee time. And I, I played pretty well. Shot seventy four yesterday. You know, that's, hey, uh, that, feeling, that's a little better than pretty well. Feeling feeling pretty good, and I, I shot a 36 on the front at Brown Deer. I'm beating this guy by one. And that's when the magic started happening for this guy. <laughs> I have seen more incredible things on the golf course this year. I saw a kid, uh, shout out to Garrett, uh, who shot 64. I saw him shoot 64 at Brown, at Brown Deer? Deer earlier this year. Uh, he hit No, from the Blues, one up. Okay. He was playing a match against a friend of mine, and now Garrett's a friend of mine. It was like the first time I'd seen Garrett play. He's, he's younger, just graduated from MSOE, was on the golf team there. But he shot 64. Uh, he hit 17 of 18 greens. Uh, the only green he missed was hole 16 because he hit the stick, and it ricocheted to the fringe. Oh, that, yeah, okay. <laughs> it was Golf never seemed so easy. Like, he just stuck everything to 10 to 20 feet, either he made the putt or he didn't, and then he moved on. Like yeah, that's that, pretty good shot formula. 64. So yesterday, I am beating Will by a stroke as we make the turn. Chips in for birdie off the back of the green at 10. Pretty routine birdies on uh, 11 and 12. I find 10 to be such a hard hole. Oh, 10 is such a tough hole out at Brown Deer. It is just narrow. It is down the chute. Um, So he chipped in from off the back of the green to a front pin. Uh, Stuffed it, you know, had a 6-foot putt on 11. Made a 5-foot putt on 12. Uh, 13. So if you've ever played Brown Deer, it's, there's a creek that runs through, so you have to hit it short. And he tried to get a club there into the wind that he couldn't get there, kind of pulled it. So he is under the trees to the left. There's a bunker over there. It's like a 30-yard little bump shot that you completely have to guess. Goes in. Four birdies in a row. 
Whoa. Yeah. So something I mean, like, like where are you at in your head? You're you're coming off a of front nine where yeah. you just played lights out. You're beating a guy you probably normally wouldn't. Yep. And then he just just sticks it to you like that. Are you when, still confident? Oh, or no, you? Well, I, I I felt good. I mean, I, I I still closed out pretty good. I missed some putts that I, I could have made. But like when he chipped that in, like I'm running around because like this guy, like at this point, like this is the second chip in, and this was not. I didn't even know how to describe it. Like in four holes, you know. So now he's made four birdies in a row. Um, then he makes a bogey. And then uh, still makes a birdie on 16, and Eagles 18 coming in. He shot a 30 on the back nine with a bogey. Like, these are words I feel I only say in terms of, like, professional golf. Like, I've never seen someone... Last year, this same guy had one of the more incredible rounds I've ever seen. We were partners in a two-man, two-day event, and he started double bogey. So he made a six, made a five, first two holes at Brown Deer. Luckily for our team, I went birdie par, so we were one under as a team. He then made six birdies coming in. Oh, okay. And shot 67. I find some of my best rounds me, start with a, with a bogey. That's just me personally. I yeah, don't know why. So he, like, I've seen him get hot before, and this was just to a different level. Um, to see... Somebody to see an amateur shoot sixty or excuse me shoot thirty on one side with a bogey. Yeah, it's that, just insane. Like it's just and, and you're just in awe of it. Like and you're cheering for him at that. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, because that's just something 100%. your everyday golfer does not witness. No, no, it was again some of the shots he hit were were so fun to see. He just got you know it was just one of those things where he got locked in and he was. I mean the three wood he hit. It was funny. Uh, so he hits the three wood on eighteen. To get home in two. He stuffed it to four feet. Like, he hit a three-wood from, like, 250 yards or 240, whatever it was, to, like, three feet or four feet on the backside of the green on 18. And he goes, oh, that was the shot of the day. I look at him and go, not even close. <laughs> like, it wasn't even close. Like, and I don't want to diminish that shot. Like, it was a really good <laughs> shot. I go, it's not even close because the chip-in you had was bananas on 13. So it was... An incredible thing to watch. I, I end up he he took first. I ended up finishing third uh, in the major yesterday. But it was, it when you see someone do that, it's just golf never seems so easy. It's frustrating, but it's beautiful to watch at the same time. Yeah, it's one of those things where you want to be frustrated, but you can't help but be overwhelmingly happy for somebody who just experience the highest of highs in this game because you know how hard it is because more often than not we have those days where you shoot 45 on the back after you had a great front to actually go what, what do you go on the front like 36 37 37 30 i yeah, mean he went th- that's stupid <laughs> he went 37 that's, 30 oh, oh goodness it was insane absolutely insane to watch him shoot the way he did yesterday, putting up a 67. Uh, well, my my round of golf was a little bit different. It, it it was the emotional high and low that you experienced. I was just on the low end, unfortunately. Um, my partner Ryan and I have been, uh, we were the defending champs of a uh, four-ball event at Wisconsin Club. So it was just a match play team event. We you have to win six matches. And this is, is this the, the bracket where you broke par a couple weeks ago? Yes, yes, yeah. So our, you went 71 on somebody yeah, out I won there. 71 in our opening round match, which was the second because we got a bye as the thing, defending champ. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, you're coming off that round. And it was just one of those, you know, Ryan and I have the same handicap, and it's tough to win when you're both low handicaps. Oh, because, yeah, you're giving a lot of strokes. Um, that's so you gr- have to play really good it's golf. It's the great thing about team match play events is – you can play a 25 handicap, you can play a 3 handicap, you can play a 3 and a 25 as, as teammates, and 
you just got to stay steady if you're the low. And we had all three of the four in this match all were the same handicap. And so nobody was getting strokes off of anybody except for the the high, of course. So Ryan and I had made an entire championship run off of Ham and Egan. We just fed off each other's energies so well, and, you know, we're both threes, so we, we have to. Um, and we get to this match, and we just simply, we were just par machines. Par's not going to win you a team event. And no, and not when you're getting, not when you have to give strokes. Now you you might have a chance yeah. when there's one person who's not getting strokes because again you you make a lot of pars, especially you get up in a match. You're putting pressure, especially on a higher handicap. He's like, oh crap, no, yeah. I've got a match that makes. But par, then all of a sudden, you know, the high handicap makes a five for four and pushes, or a four for three, and then you find yourself in a little bit of a hole. Like you have to make a birdie yeah. between the teammates. We didn't make a birdie all day until the fifteenth hole. So we're, we're two down on 15 at Wisconsin Glove. If you're familiar with the course, 15 is a 600-yard par 5. It's a big it boy. is a beast. Everything is out in front of you. I've got um, two there. Don't worry. But uh, I have never sniffed getting there in two, Gabe. <laughs> so we are two down at this point in the match, and we're kind of holding on for dear life because we know we need to make a birdie. We need to win this hole because... You know, you don't want to be dormy going in the final couple of holes there. Um, and they're popping on 15. we got to hold our own. So we watch this guy, Dan, who we're playing against, who's a big hitter. He goes about 320 off the tee. And we're like, wow. Like, and I, I, we're walking up the fairway, and I go, have you ever gotten home in two here? Because I had never seen it. Okay. I'd never seen it. When you did it, it wasn't with me. No, it was not. Okay. Because I have never seen somebody get, get on in two. Because yeah, it's a was... blind shot coming, you have to hit over a hill, you know, to this uh, to this green that is still another 300 yards away. Yeah, after were, a 300 were you with yard me drive. on 14 when I accidentally pulled it over the water? I think it was the same day. Uh, yes, I, I was there for that. Oh, you were there for that yes. one. Okay. Yes, yes, I've done that before. <laughs> um, so we're walking up, and I'm like, "Hey, have you ever gotten there in two? And he goes, "Yeah, I've done it once before, but I was really downwind." Um, and it's a big hitter, one of the bigger uh, yeah. hitters that you'll find at the club. So he takes out a hybrid. Hybrid? Hybrid. And he hits a 295-yard hybrid to the back of the green. All of a sudden, I look at my partner, Ryan, and we're like, all right, well, we got to make birdie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. And I was like, but he's he's deep. He's like deep on the back of the green, pins up front. It's like, he's got it. I trust that this guy, he's a really good golfer. He's a three handicap. But I think he could three putt this. Like, he's that yeah. far away. Like, we're thinking three putt. Well, and the greens, and it's not like the greens out of the Wisconsin club are just like, oh, they're nice and flat and you yeah. can lag it up there. Now, there's some undulation and there's some. We did play this day after aeration, though, which. Okay, so it slowed it down I don't a little know, bit. I, I think the match has a little asterisks to it, but I'm just making <laughs> excuses. Um, so, so my, my partner, Ryan, plays it just. Plots this hole around perfectly. He gets to two feet, within two feet probably, for a birdie, and I'm feeling pretty good. I, I had to chip on, and I made a five, but it was Ryan was in the match. So it was Ryan against this guy, Dan. Dan's got a 75-footer, and we're just kind of waiting to see, all right, how close is he going to put it? He drops it. From 75 feet? 75 feet for eagle. And, I, and like, Ryan, like, marks his ball. He's within two feet. Like, he's got an easy read. Um, we're feeling pretty good. And I have never felt that feeling on a golf course of watching this guy bomb it, drop it, 
and Ryan and I, in unison, dropped to our knees. <laughs> like, it was as if we were just shot. And, like, what do you do in that situation but just throw your hands up and go, that was unbelievable. Good putt. And, and it, this is what you know, like, it, Dan looked at both of us and he goes, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> like, I don't even know if he was looking at the hole or he was just yeah. looking for a spot because he's thinking two putt to push. Oh, yeah. He literally apologized to us because yeah. he could just feel the life sucked out of us as we dropped to our knees on the green. At that point, we went three down, three to play. We were dormy. We both parred the next hole, and we uh, we will not be defending our, our Red Coat Championship this year. But, man, it was kind of one of those where it sucks to lose because we had such a great run over the last two summers. But to watch somebody make a special eagle on a really tough hole that I've never witnessed before, I mean, that's what makes this game great. And we all sat around and we'll laugh about it, and yeah, Ryan and I are bummed, but I'll never forget watching Dan play that hole. That was pretty incredible. That's the beauty. So at Brown Deer, we have, I I enter three match play brackets every year. I I do a club championship, which is from the back tees, no handicap. We have a thing called club matches where, uh, excuse me, cup matches, where that's handicapped and it's flighted, you know, so you're not going to be given too many strokes if you're lower handicap. And then uh, a two-man um, where handicaps factor in, both scores counts, our, our two-man match play bracket. And the best part about match play, like my club championship match, I got bounced right away uh, by one of the, a guy, a kid who won it two, three years ago. Really good player, but I played really good golf. Like we went to three playoff holes and both of us were playing really well and I ended up losing and you're disappointed but you, that you lost, but like that was more fun than when you win a match when somebody doesn't have their best stuff and you just like house them seven and six yeah. or five and four, whatever it happens to be. And just playing that match play, going up and having that competition of, of guys hitting good shots. So when you're playing pretty well, you're still making pars. Yes, you would want the birdie, but to have somebody just bombing an eagle, yeah. like, okay, what are you going to do? Like, like there's literally, there's, okay, nothing I can do. I did what I had to do. He just made a better shot. Yeah, and I mean, we're only hitting ourselves. Like, we said to each other after the match, like, we just need to make a birdie. And, yeah. and once one birdie happens, it kind of gets, in, you know, contagious, and you can start feeding off each other a little bit. Some days that happens. I encourage anybody listening that if you don't have the opportunity to go out and play many match play events, like, yeah, you can play with your buddies. You can throw around some money every once in a while or, you know, play your, your regular weekend golf. But if you have an opportunity to play in some of these WSGA match play oh, events sure. or anything that kind of gets those competitive juices flowing when you realize you're playing for something a little bit more than just your score that day, um, it, there's no feeling like having that competitive edge again and finding that in golf. And not everybody played high school or college or competitive golf growing up. Um, but there is something different when your hands are a little shaky standing over a putt and you realize that there's a little bit more on the line with every swing than just your score. I know the WSGA has kind of changed some things. We'll have to have Rob Jansen on toward the end of this season to start talking about some of the things, not necessarily the dates, but just how the process has changed to sign up because they're becoming so popular. They're, yeah. uh, they they have a two-man scramble event this year. The WSGA does. Their net partners event is always a really popular one. And it's almost a lottery-based system. So if you want to play in one of those, potentially in 2023, we'll have Rob on. He can explain uh, exactly how that sign-up process works. Yeah, and that's one of the really unique things about this sport that we love is that handicaps make it even for everyone like you don't have many sports usually it's tiered off or you know the best go and play in this flight and a lot of clubs or places will have like an a b c d flight but when you're talking about match play events like 
you got to just trust the handicaps, and that's why it's important for everybody listening to establish a handicap. Um, but it, it it allows this game anybody to play against anybody, and ah, I'm I'm just I'm more upset that I don't get to play another match. Yeah, that, that's than the, the fact that I lost. You know, the fact that yeah, you played well. Maybe you played just well enough where on a different day you could have won. I was very happy with my score walking yeah. off the course. I just didn't do, didn't make enough shots. Yeah. Just didn't happen to be, and that's always the disappointing thing for me when my my match play runs end. It's like I want to keep doing that, yeah. And now I have to wait until next year, yeah, to get back in there and have. And the way it works is we have to change partners. Unless you win, you get to keep your partner. So I'm uh, I'm on the market. Okay, Uh, well, anybody at the Wisconsin club? Maybe when we go out to the Wisconsin club later this month, we'll have to have like I don't know some sort of like Stephen Watson who wants to be Stephen Watson's partner game show to get you paired up for 2023. I don't know. I don't know if I'm a good partner. Kind of like the bachelor type situation. Like we'll Ooh. get a bunch of you know get a bunch of people who want to kind of put them through the rigor and, and see who your partner for. Uh, we'll just bring them on interview style in the segment. Yeah. <laughs> and I just listen in. Are you from looking afar. for a, a similar player to yourself? You want a higher handicap? I mean these these are important things to look for in a partner. Um, yeah, I mean I I think the most important thing is somebody that doesn't take themselves too seriously. That's all I care about in a partner. No. Like, let's just have fun. And usually when you're having fun, you play better. That's and, true. Um, I love. I, I get really competitive, but I think I do a pretty good job keeping even keel on a golf course. Like I'm not kind of balanced. Kind of yeah. walk that line a little bit. Yeah, it's fun to throw a little fist bump every once in a while, but at the end of the day, like we're playing a game. Let's have fun. Yeah, unless somebody is you know walking in the back while you're, Steven's trying to putt, then things get a little heated. Yeah, that was my last I loss. Love in this that event. story. Uh, on the T's opening segment brought to you by Heartland Movement Center. Improve your golf game with a personalized approach from their experienced team. Learn more at heartlandmovementcenter.com. Tony Finau, back-to-back champ. We'll talk about him. Maybe take a look at some President's Cup stuff with that coming up in a little over a month. That's next on the tee. The opening segment was brought to you by Heartland Movement Center. Improve your golf game with a personalized approach from their experienced team. Learn more at heartlandmovementcenter.com. On the Tee with Gabe and Steven continues next on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to On the Tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. biggest criticisms of Tony Finau is that he couldn't close and last week it was different he was you know four shots back or whatever he was ends up winning going away wins by three but he still kind of stumbled down the stretch once he had that lead and this has been something for Tony Finau but to have the lead going into Sun and then win going away is also a different story for Tony Finau we discuss more about the American right now thanks to our friends at Ewald Automotive in it's all about the drive Sometimes it's all about the drive. But off the tee, it's all about the drive. The best and biggest shots of the weekend. That house is like 400 yards away. Is that good? That's unbelievable. It's all about the drive. On On the Tee is brought to you by Ewald Automotive. Shop the Ewald Automotive Group, home of the 20-year, 200,000-mile limited warranty on all new vehicles. Visit any of their eight locations today, in-store or online at ewaldautomotive.com. Ewald Automotive. We make it easy. So Tony Finau goes from a two-time PGA Tour champ to a four-time PGA Tour champ in the matter of weeks. He was already... Would you consider Finau a superstar? Star, not superstar. Yeah, I, just because even though he hadn't won, he had been featured on a couple of 
uh, President's Cup teams, some Ryder Cup teams, obviously was on the team up at Whistling Straits last fall, because of his consistency. Like He's just been so consistent, just didn't have those wins to his resume. And now that he's starting to gain confidence, and he, like yesterday was impressive. I mean, yesterday to me was incredibly impressive. He just goes out, workman like 34, comes in at 33, had a stumble where he made a bogey, but then he still made three birdies after that. Just goes out, shoots 67, holds off Cantley and, and Cam Young, and, and wins by five. Can I, le- can I read you his last eight rounds on the, on the PGA Tour? <laughs> oh, boy. 67, 68, 65, 67, 64, 66, 65, 67. Damn. Dude's riding a heater right yeah, now. Yeah, you want to talk about being hot. Holy and cow. He has always been somebody that, you know, the putting is kind of, and, and that's where you see it. You know, I think that you see it with anyone. You know, sometimes, you know, it might be a long iron or whatever, but if, if you're feeling the pressure around the greens when you have to hit these little touchy shots or these tough little putts, that's where the, the pressure comes in. And he's never been a great putter, but he's been rolling it really well the last two weeks, rolled it really well yesterday en route to that win at the Rocket Mortgage. And... That's just a good thing, I think, for the PGA Tour, to have Tony Finau be somebody that takes that next step. And he's competed in majors. He was on display at the 2019 Masters. Uh, he was in that final group with Tiger. was on display before that when he you know, rolled his ankle and dislocated it uh, on the par three. But he's been somebody who's been present. And him kind of taking that next step is only a good thing. And even in some of the you know big... American team events. He's been on the roster, but he's kind of always been that guy hiding in the back a little bit. Like when I think about the United States Ryder Cup team at Whistling Straits this past fall, Tony's probably like the 10th guy that I would name on that list. But the fact that he's consistently on those lists can't be talked about enough. Like it's really hard to make Ryder Cup and President's teams three in a row he's made now between two Ryder Cup teams and a President's team. He's likely going to a shoe-in now for this upcoming President's Cup. I mean, three wins in the last calendar year after going five years between wins. I mean, he is he's on the scene now. Especially when you talk about the Ryder Cup stuff. And we talked about this a little bit at the end of the Ryder Cup run for Team USA last year about, man, I don't know who, you know, necessarily is Harris English going to be back? Is, you know, Daniel Berger going to be back? There were some young Americans on that team that, yeah, maybe they are, but there's a lot of young Americans behind them. And we're seeing that, yeah. you know, guys like Cam Young being, while well, he hasn't won yet, Will Zell Torres, while well, he hasn't won yet, these are guys that are ascending Homa, to yeah. the top. Yeah, Max Homa, who has won twice this year, the way that Tony Finau has. And, but at, at no point did I think that, oh, Tony Finau is going to be one of the guys that's going to be off when the Ryder Cup you know, goes to Rome in a couple of years just because he's been that consistent. And to be able to make those teams without winning the way he has, that tells you just how consistent he's been because so much emphasis in professional golf, right or wrong, is placed on winning. Yep. You know, the, 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 the amount of money you get for winning versus the amount of money you get for finishing in 10th place, the amount of FedEx Cup points and Ryder Cup points are just so skewed if you win. So for Tony Finau to make these teams despite not winning has been impressive. And I think it also helps that he plays in a ton of events. Like He doesn't, oh, yeah. he doesn't take many weeks off, so he's always high in the point total year in and year out. Um, and the fact that he's been knocking on the door at majors has, has kept him relevant. And I think at the end of the day, we talked about this last week after his win, he's so likable. He's such a good teammate. And that is something that when Steve Stricker was trying to build a team and change the narrative of American golf in the Ryder Cup, he was trying to 
you know, build camaraderie, find good guys, guys that got along together. And, you know, all we were talking about was Kepka and DeChambeau coming in, and you know, how were they going to butt heads during Ryder Cup week? It's guys like Tony Finau who are glue guys, and those are the types of guys that you need on team events. I, I was listening to his post match or post round interview yesterday, following his win, and this this quote stood out to me. He said. A winner is a loser who kept on trying, and that's me to a T. Yeah, and he talks about how important that was for his kids to not just see him now succeed, but because he failed beforehand. And his yeah. kids, I mean, he's he's got a mess of them. He's got like six kids, guys. Like he's got a lot. So he wants, but he wants to set a good example for them. You know, he wants to be, hey, despite this, you can still go on and do this. Yeah, and they're old enough now where they've kind of been riding that ri- riding that wave with him for a couple of years um, and to see him get rewarded those are the stories you want to root for in this game right now and those are the stories that we need yeah, and, and Tony Finau, as you mentioned, super easy guy to root for. When it comes to the team golf, he's like the opposite of Patrick Reed. Like, the only way Patrick Reed, well, now that he's gone to live, but the only way Patrick Reed was getting on one of these teams is he had to automatically qualify because nobody was going to pick him after what happened in Paris a couple of years ago when he threw... <laughs> Dude shoots 80 and throws Tiger under the bus. Yeah. Get out of here, You're going to talk about a me guy versus a we guy, yeah. right? And, and Tony Finau, that's why he's going to, like, to me, be constantly picked for these teams if he doesn't automatically qualify and, and his game's still sharp enough because of how well he gets along with everyone and really how well his game can pretty much complement anyone that they would match him up with. And he'll be a great captain one day. 100%. 100%. And I look forward to him being a captain uh, on Team USA at some point in the future. Rated at one of the top five Palmer courses in the United States, it is The Bog. Check out their website, golfthebog.com. I love going out there. We play the 100 holes for the MAC Fund out there. Uh, we do the ESPN Milwaukee Open out there all the time. It is a fun, challenging golf course. And if you hit good shots, if you walk away and you play the good round at the bog, the number's good, you know you hit quality golf shots at the bog. It offers that challenging but playable golf course in beautiful setting in Sockville, Wisconsin. Check out their website, golfthebog.com, for more details. Just brought up Liv. Well, Captains. Yeah, so things are going to get interesting with this President's Cup. Uh, coming up here and you know Steven and I love this team golf stuff and I'm looking forward to the President's Cup but Liv is complicating things not just with that but with the Ryder Cup as well we'll dive into that next on the tee back to the course and on the tee with Gabe and Steven after this on 94.5 ESPN this is on the tee with Gabe Neitzel and Steven Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Downtown. President's Downtown. Cup is coming up, and Downtown. I'm not thrilled necessarily about the course. It's fine. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the President's Cup just because the international team seems like it could be interesting, provided some of these guys don't go to live. But trying to figure out Team USA is also a complicated process. So I'm just going to read off the standings to you real quick, Stephen. Top six qualify, and then there are six captains picks uh, for Team USA. So Scotty Scheffler... Yeah, dude's number one. <laughs> I, I think he's in. <laughs> I think I think he's in. He's he's more than more than three thousand points ahead of number two, Patrick Cantlay. Which, by the way, like so, Patrick Cantlay, as he's making a run yesterday and still finished five strokes behind. I was shocked, shocked to find out that he's still the number four player in the world. Yeah. I feel like he's been so irrelevant this year. He he's like taking over Rory as the backdoor top ten guy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, I just couldn't believe it. And here he is, number two on the Team USA President's Cup standings. Three is Sam Burns, four Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas is five. Justin Thomas has a major this year, by the way. And Xander and Sam Burns and Patrick Cantlay are all ahead of him. And then Tony Finau with his wins, he is now sixth. So guys like Spieth, Morikawa, Homa, Zalatoris, Cameron Young, Kevin Kisner, guys like that are not automatic qualifiers. This is going to be a tough decision for Team USA. I'm really fired up about some of these young names, though. Like, I can't wait to see Sam Burns play in a team event because um, he has had some pretty epic weekends and Sundays on the PGA Tour. He's won a lot of events over the last couple of years. Um, Finau, uh, you know, he's been a captain's pick for every international event. So the fact that he is now going to probably get in on points, I mean, there's a couple of weeks left. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, you can't leave Spieth out of a team event. Nope. You can't leave Morikawa out of a team event nope. after what he just did at Whistling Straits. So, to, yeah, so to me, the top eight are locks. Yes. So you take the, the next two in Spieth and Morikawa, like those top eight. So you got, if you are Davis Love the third, you need to figure out the next four. Man, I mean, Zalatoris is another guy who I don't think you can leave off of a roster right now. Cam Young, the way that he is playing right now is, he is, you know, he has seven top threes this season. That's yeah. tied with Scheffler mm-hmm. for the most on the PGA Tour. Yep. I mean, we talked about what he did on 18 at St. Andrews, which was the most bananas <laughs> thing. I, I want that guy on my team. Yeah, I want I, the like, guy who steps up to the 18th. And granted, the 18th isn't necessarily in match the easiest, play. But oh like, my goodness! I want somebody stepping up and going, "Yeah, I can eagle this hole," and then doing it, like going out and eagling the 18th of a major when you need to. Like that's okay. That's so next we, level so we're issue. we're building a team. We got Zalatoris yep. and Young. So we got two spots left between yep. the following names. Okay, Max Homa, Billy Horschel is actually 11th right now in points. Uh, Hoagie. I, no thanks. Kevin Kisner, JT Poston. Am I saying that right? Poston? Uh, yeah, Poston. I, Poston. Tringali is an intriguing name. And then you start getting into like Keegan Bradley. No thanks. Maverick McNeely. Yeah. Daniel Berger hasn't, hasn't won anything. played. Yeah. Berger hasn't played well. I mean, I think they'll end up giving Homa one of those spots because he's an ultimate team dude, like fun guy. Has been has won a couple of times this year. Has earned his right, and obviously has stated his excitement and and like this is something that I want yeah. to do. It is a goal, and I think he gets and on, and on our show last year before yeah. the Ryder Cup, all he talked about was that he wants to be a part of those team events. So then you got for the final spot, Hoagie Horschel Kisner. Who are you picking there? So and as boring as this is, to just to take the top twelve guys, like I'm probably. You could convince me Kisner or Horschel either way. But the way that Billy has been outspoken about the live tour, or as he said, the live tour, I don't he like <laughs> he like swallows the word when he said it, uh, when he went on his rant a couple of weeks ago. But the way that Billy has stood up for the PGA tour and has been vocal against live, I, I feel like I kind of reward him with being on the PGA tour side and I give him a spot. Whereas a couple of weeks ago on this show, I think I predicted that Kisner was next to go to the Live Tour. And I don't yeah. know why. It just kind of has this weird feeling that he's a guy who just has been, you know, knocking on the door for a while, but hasn't been super competitive in major events. Kind of that prime candidate to go get some, you know, sure. big money that he wasn't able to get on the PGA Tour. I don't want to knock him for it. I don't, you know, I don't want to make it personal. Yeah. 
I just feel like he's a prime candidate to, to make that jump to live. Well, in a, in a, additionally, I, I know Kiz has had success in match play formats. Yeah. And there were a lot of people that were shouting from the mountaintops that he should have been at Whistling Straits last year. Well, just like Whistling Straits wasn't a good match for Kevin Kisner, you think that Quail Hollow whose final stretch is called the Green Mile. You think that's good for a guy who's not super long off the tee? No, yeah. you need guys that can get it out there. And I think that Kiz, if he doesn't make the jump to live, I think he could potentially, depending upon what happens in Rome, I know that golf course still isn't quite finished yet. So depending upon what they do there, like Kiz could be good there. Like Kiz should have been, to me, on the Ryder Cup team in 2018. He should have been out there. He should have been at uh, at Paris, especially with the way that you're, the Europeans made everything so narrow. So you need someone that can be a little bit more accurate, keep the ball in play, and then go after greens from there the way Kisner's been able to. So for me, it's more about fit for Kisner. Yeah. And he's not a guy that's just going to bomb it out there. I'm okay with Horschel with that 12 spot. That's, yeah. a, that's a good roster. I mean, remember, you're, you're, you're without Bryson, you're without Kepka, you're without DJ. Yeah. And they can still roll 12 out there pretty deep. So that's where things get interesting for Trevor, Trevor Immelman and the internationals. So they, they do it differently, uh, where they, the top eight qualify, and then they have four captain's picks. But their top eight right now include Cameron Smith, Hideki Matsuyama, Sung J M, uh, Joaquin Neiman, Corey Connors, Adam Scott, Mito Pereira, and KH Lee are their top eight. Three of those guys have been linked to the Live Tour. And three of those guys could be making the leap after the FedEx Cup playoffs are over, which would, again, just drastically alter what this team is, what it looks like. And honestly, kind of the, I don't want to say integrity of the competition, but the entertainment value of the competition will just go down. And if you've got Cam Smith and Hideki Matsuyama as two headliners going out there, going head-to-head with Team USA, I understand maybe, you know, Sung J.M., Corey, especially like somebody like Corey Connors doesn't really do it for you, but Mito Pereira has had a pretty good year. Obviously, wants the drive at uh, at the PGA back that he ended up hitting into the river that ultimately cost him an opportunity to get into the playoff with Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris. But there's some good players there. Like Team USA is better, but I could still see a, a situation where some of these guys step up and pull off an upset. Yeah. But if you don't have Cam Smith, if you don't have Hideki, if you don't have Adam Scott. Good luck. Like, it's just not going to happen. They just don't have the depth behind it the way Team USA has had the young depth of Will Zalatoris, Max Homa, mm-hmm. and, I mean, Max isn't, you know, Max is in his 30s now, but, uh, and Cameron Young. Like, they've got some depth that have filled behind the guys that have gone to live for Team USA. Which it, the it, internationals just don't have that. It's not, it's not as scary for me for the President's Cup as it is for a Ryder Cup next year if you start losing these names because I don't think that people that are jumping to live should get the opportunity to play in these team competitions. I am a firm believer in that. But the more guys that jump, the less sexy the Ryder Cup becomes. Yep. And that that is terrifying. That's terrifying that you hear Cam Smith's name and you hear Hideki Matsuyama because Hideki is a global superstar. Yeah. If you watch the media that travels with him, you know, it's unbelievable. And you get him jumping to the live tour, it terrifies me. It really does. And it takes you to this weekend, the live event that, you know, Henrik Stenson, the Ryder Cup captain for Europe, makes his first appearance in a live tour event and wins it. And that was a also, worse... by the way, tells me how bad live is right now, because Henrik Stenson has won diddly squat on I the PGA am... and European tours over the last couple of years. Gabe, it's a hot take. 
I'm not convinced that they wanted Henrik Stenson to win this weekend. That's all I'll say. Liv did not want Henrik to win? No, they wanted him to oh, win. Oh, they wanted him to win. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. You see what I'm saying there? Whoa. That is a hot take. Interesting. You're going to tell me that Henrik Stenson's going to go out there and beat DJ, Brooks, Reed, Bryson. Well, Reed, yeah. Reed's not very good anymore. I don't know, man. Phil feels terrible some, now. Some, like, the fact that Henrik comes out and beats the field by a couple of strokes. Ryder Cup captain who wants to prove that you should be able to go and, you know, be an independent contractor and still be able well, okay, to play so for your here's, country. Here's the like, stuff. I, I don't know, man. It, it just it felt a little fishy to me that Henrik just comes out and all of a sudden is a good golfer again. At, at You know, he, is, he hasn't been competitive in years. Here's, here's the crap about the independent contractor BS that they like to piddle out there that just pisses me off. So... If you're an independent, let, let's just say you're a regular independent contractor, whatever. You get hired by one company, then you go to a different company and badmouth the company you just did work for. You think that other company is going to want to hire you again? Exactly. Like no, that's not how any of this works. Just because you're an independent contractor, yes, as an IC, you have the opportunity to go play for who you want. You made the decision, Henrik, to go play for Live. You guys made that decision. But there are consequences. That doesn't mean just because you're an independent contractor doesn't mean you get to go do whatever the hell you want to do. It means, no, you. there are consequences to your decisions still. And they were very clear to you, yeah. Henrik, like the, about the conditions of, hey, you can be our captain as long as you don't go to live. And you said, okay, sounds good to me. I'll sign up for it. And then you made decided to go to live. Like him, to me, Henrik Stenson trying to go, oh, I can't believe they did this to me, is the same thing that we saw some of these PGA Tour players who went, oh, I can't believe they actually suspended us. I didn't think they would actually do that. No, they were very upfront about what And they were waving it in to, front of you yes, the entire time. Like, go play for live. That's fine. But you don't get to have it both ways. You don't get to trash the PGA Tour and then want to play for the PGA Tour in events that they want to want to have. Because here's the thing. The President's Cup is 100% a PGA Tour thing. It's something that they created to get the internationals versus Team USA. The Ryder Cup, yeah, it's the PGA of America, who hasn't had nice things to say about Liv, but not as strong as the PGA Tour. And the European Tour, now the DP World Tour, who has a strategic alliance with the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't get to, oh, I want to be in the fun stuff that you guys do and still go make my money. No. You made the decision, Henrik. you got to live with the consequences now. It's fascinating for Davis Love right now and Immelman. You know, they're in really tough positions. I was reading this article over the weekend that Davis Love, I think it was in Sports Illustrated, talking about how he thinks it's going to take PGA Tour players boycotting majors in order to make a statement against the live guys who can still have automatic you know, qualifications for those majors, a guy like Phil and Brooks and DJ and Bryson. Um, he says it might take the other guys who are staying loyal to the PGA Tour, not showing up at major championships for them to finally punish the live guys against playing in majors. But I just can't see, as strong as JT and Rory and Spieth have been on on the PGA Tour front, like, that's a big ask, man. Like, you know how small that window is for these guys to win. I don't see it happening. Yeah, I just... I. Because then those live guys get rewarded for at least that one major, you know, like... He's telling me JT's not going to show up to Augusta. 
Rory's not going to try to go for the career grand slam as well. He's as well. He like finally found the secret of playing at Augusta. I'm not saying Augusta. I mean, <laughs> maybe like a bad PGA every once in a while. Okay, that, but but it, it's just such a short window in a small period of time. Like, I don't think Brooks is ever winning another one, and if he does, it's going to be kind of coming out of nowhere. As beat up as he's been, he won his four in such a quick period of time. So you want to strike while the iron's hot. You don't have that opportunity. So to skip one, that's a big ask in in this live versus PGA Tour thing that's going on. I just don't see it happening. I understand what what Davis Love the Third is is going for and saying. I just can't can't imagine. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a reality. But it it's interesting when you have a high profile guy who is going to be the captain of a Presidents Cup team who clearly is terrified. Yeah, like he is terrified for the future of the sport, and he even said in that same article, he's like, "I know that guys are lying to my face right now when they're telling me that can't wait for the Presidents Cup." He's like, "I can't trust anybody. How could he? No, because as you laid out, a lot of these guys are going to jump ship after the FedEx Cup because they're going to try and get their money and then realize their bigger paycheck is around the corner." After these next couple of events, I guess, and, and I saw something, and I don't know again how much you can believe this, how much you can trust it, because I I certainly believe that Liv is putting out a lot of misinformation, you know, to try to make themselves a little bit more relevant. Uh, but I saw an article where you know some agents uh, representing top fifty players reached out to Liv, and they had to turn down some of those players because they're running out of spots, which actually would make sense if you're limiting yourself to forty eight spots, so you can't even have the top fifty in the world, and you've now already given. A lot of guaranteed spots to guys like Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, uh, Pat Perez. Like you're burning roster spots for people who could actually, for players who could actually be good and, and, and boost your tour. So maybe the the damage will be limited because they can't accept enough players. It's just again, I we have talked about this ad nauseum on, yeah. on the tee this year, and it just sucks as a golf fan. I have talked about this with so many of my buddies. I just went on a golf trip, had extensive conversations with my buddies up in as we were going up to Michigan about Live, and I just said, bottom line, as a golf fan, like, yeah, sure, it's good for those 10 players that have gotten huge guaranteed contracts from Live Golf. For me as a golf fan, it sucks for me. Yeah. Because I don't get to see the best players in the world compete against each other. That stinks as a golf fan. And especially at Quail Hollow. I mean, that's the beginning of what could be a trend of team golf that we're losing one of the great events and spectacles in this sport. How is that growing the game? Exactly. It's not. Oh. We get fired up every time we talk about this. Can I just, just can I can I just make one joke though? Yeah, please. Since joining the Live Tour, Phil Mickelson has one round under par. It was his first round. He's finished plus 10, plus 10, plus 6 in three events. 34th, 42nd, and 35th. Reminder, only 48 people play in these events. (laughs) That does make me feel a little bit better. Oh, man. Phil has been bad. So bad. Uh, Golf weather in Wisconsin is here. It is here to stay. Uh, If you're looking for a great place to get outside, Fairways of Woodside in Sussex should be your next round of golf. Fairwaysofwoodside.com is their website. It's a great course to play, but more importantly, the atmosphere they promote out there. Golf is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to have a great time while you're playing. And that's what Fairways of Woodside in Sussex really promotes. It's not stuffy. It's not pretentious. They want you to have fun. So go have fun and tee it up at fairwaysofwoodside.com. We're just talking about team golf. There's a golf course adjacent to the one that got all the attention last year. It's a lot of fun to play. Played it a couple times the last few days. 
Going to talk about the Irish course at Whistling Straits. Coming up next on the team. No ifs, ands, or putts. There's more on the tee with Gabe and Steven coming up on 94.5 ESPN. For it's on the tee with Gabe Neitzel and Stephen Watson on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Annex Wealth Management and Fairways of Woodside. Liv does it to us every time. We're supposed to give our picks that last segment. We didn't do it, so it is time for our Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Picks for the week uh, with the PGA Tour regular season wrapping up the Wyndham Championship. Stephen, who you got? Will Zalatoris is the highest-ranked player in the field, but I'm going to go with the guy who loves this event more than anybody in the world. Webb Simpson is my pick to win the Wyndham. He literally named his daughter Wyndham Rose (laughs) after this event because he won it. Um, he's finished no worse than seventh in the last five Wyndham championships, including two runners-up, two third-place finishes. Webb Simpson is my Gruber Law Office's one call. That's all pick. Six-man playoff in this event a year ago. Don't you remember that? Uh, Siwoo Kim was one of those in that event, uh, in that playoff. He also won the event in 2016. I am going to take Siwoo Kim okay. as uh, the winner this week. Is my Gruber Law Office's one call. That's all pick. Time to now review one of our favorite courses in Wisconsin, courtesy of our friends at Waste Management. Fescue, hole placement, dog legs, hazards. What don't you want to know about Wisconsin's variety of golf courses? It's time for On the Tee to give you a course review. Brought to you by Waste Management, a company that values inclusion and diversity, safety, our customers, and the environment. Join the WM family and visit careers.wm.com. I did it on Thursday. Played it again today, the Irish course up at Whistling Straits. And I, I feel this way about the, the courses at Kohler, where understandably at Black Wolf Run, the river gets a lot of attention and it yep. makes, you know, the Meadow Valley's course pretty underrated. Whistling Straits casts a pretty damn big shadow, and understandably so. Yeah, like it's, it's earned that. Yeah, it's it has a hundred percent earned that, but it has made the Irish course to me underrated. And you can, I think, get out there for some pretty good rates, especially early, late season. And you can kind of get a taste of what the Straits is about and still have a great time on a Pete Dye course that, yes, will kick you between the legs from time to time. I have said it on this show. I think when we did this course review last year in our opening season of On the Tee, I believe the Irish is harder than the Straits. And you are not the only one who holds that opinion. That, that is held by many a golfer across the state of Wisconsin. I get into more trouble. And it's because when you fall off the fairway and you fall off some of the bunkers, there's a lot of woods. You can lose a lot of golf balls. You don't lose balls at Whistling Straits unless you donate into the water, but you don't lose many balls at Whistling. The Irish, you can really get into trouble if you spray the ball, and it's a classic Pete Dye. I mean, unbelievable bunker complexes. It takes your eye to different spots. Um, A lot like the river course, which I played a couple of weeks ago, Like your sight lines off the tee are so deceiving because... Pete Dye takes your eyes to different places than you normally should be thinking. All of a sudden, you walk up to your ball and you go, oh, crap, I'm in fescue. Or, like, I'm in a bunker I didn't see. And that's what makes the Irish hard. And as per usual, I mean, Pete Dye, I mean, you think about the four par threes that are at Whistling, the par threes at the Irish. I mean, there's one that's like a blind shot. Like if, If they play it from the upper, they have two different tee boxes, and if they play it from the upper, like I did on Thursday, like the, you would not believe how tall the flag is in order for you just to see something. Like, it's 
totally blind par three that you're trying to hit into with a lot of crap around the green. You have and to hit the You green. know my favorite thing about Pete Dye courses is he has awesome hole names. Oh, yeah. The hole that you're talking about is, is number 13. It's called Blind Man's Bluff. Um, <laughs> like, I love the fact that you walk up to a hole and you look at the, you know, the plaque or whatever might be there next to the hole and you're like, oh, I wonder what that name means. And then you play the hole and you go, oh, yeah, okay, I get why this one is called Troll or <laughs> Mulligan's Watch or Devil's Elbow. Like, it makes sense when you play the hole. And the closing stretch, the par five's not terribly tough, but again, it takes your eye someplace else. You think you've got room to the right of this bunker with your tee shot? You don't. Don't hit it right of that tee. If you haven't played, don't hit right of that. It looks like there's room over there. No, you really don't. you got to hit left does of that to bunker. Um, but the closing stretch there, like 16, excuse me, 15, 16, and 17 are probably the three hardest par fours on the course, and they're all back to back to back. It's, it's a tough closing stretch. You have to hit great golf shots and execute uh, when you're coming in. It's, it's so much fun to play. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, so if you have the opportunity to go up there, go play the Irish course if you have not done so. It gives you that taste of what the Straits is like, but not at that price. Yeah, and you get a couple of views you know, yeah, you of, some, of Lake Michigan, and there's a couple of good water holes oh, yeah. on that course as well. Um, yeah, it, it's... It's in peak condition. It's always well kept. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I, I love playing it, but man, it, it just seems to, as you said, kick me between the legs more often than not. <laughs> it can definitely do that. Next week, we are going to be live from Tuckaway, part of the Mac Fund Open that is happening there. Stephen and I both playing in that. Can't wait to talk about Tuckaway and the great things that the Mac Fund is doing. This has been on the team.